Test one, two. There we go. We're test one, two. Good deal. I changed the microphones on her, messing her all up up there. <laughs> uh, how's everybody doing this morning? Good. Isn't it pretty outside? Pretty, pretty day. I'll pull that on down so I don't yell your ear off this morning. All right. Everybody get a booklet. There's a booklet. There's booklets in the back. If you didn't get a booklet, grab one. That might help you follow along. If you, uh, you can follow along without it, but it, it sometimes will help you. But uh, turn your turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. We'll continue our study here through the book of, uh, of Ephesians, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll make Ethan and Kelly tune back in in about two more weeks when we get to the end of the chapter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and well, I think we have a birthday in the house. Is that right? Uh, who, who, whose birthday was that? Was that your birthday, Danny? No, it wasn't Danny. It was Dana. Oh, it was Dana. And so y'all make sure you tell her happy birthday this morning. I got that confused this morning, so, <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, what a big day it's going to be next weekend, so uh, let's just do this, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask him to bless our lesson. Father, tonight, this morning, as we get to open up the word of God again today, Lord, to just uh, teach through it and, and have the truth expand it to us, I just pray, Lord, your spirit would help us today, Lord, as we're looking at the, the, the concept all throughout this chapter of imitating you, being a follower of you, Lord, and mimicking you in every area of our lives lord and so so help us today learn one more truth lord to apply to our to our tool chest so that this world can see not us but you through us in jesus name amen if you ephesians chapter 5 again is where we'll be ephesians chapter 5 and we've been looking all through this study through this chapter anyway at the concept of imitating christ imitating christ that the chapter started off was be followers of god and that word follower literally means comes from a word that means to be a mimic, an imitator of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul does. He spends most of this chapter in the inspiration of God teaching us things we should do and teaching us things we shouldn't do because both, both are important, right? If we're going to imitate, if we're going to walk with Christ, he, he addresses our walk, and we've been put, putting lots of time and uh, looking at our walk. We'll look at one more truth from that today. Uh, even time management, we'll hit on that a little bit today. Our attitudes, our mouths, our thought processes, he dresses them all, and even marriages. And all this should imitate Christ. And so that's kind of the overarching theme, I think, of this chapter. And so a few weeks ago, as we got started in chapter, we looked at the first truth that I just simply called this, that, that we're, to, we're to walk in love. And, and he illustrates it this way throughout the text. He says, tells us we're to walk in love, not in lust. And that's the, the contrast of the two. And that walking in love, he said in verse 2, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering, a sacrifice for God, for a sweet-smelling Savior. And so that's why we're to walk, as Christ walked in love. What a love he had for us, amen. He's loved us with an everlasting love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm thankful for the love he has in us. And we're to walk in that kind of love. And so to do that, though, he also contrasted it then with actions we're to avoid. He told us in verses 3 through 4, and we looked at all these words, that we should avoid fornication and uncleanliness, uncleanliness and covetousness and filthiness and foolish talking and, and jesting. And then, then we also saw the attitude we got to adapt. And that was this, to be thankful. Amen. We're to be thankful in all things and for all things. And we looked at that truth. And, and, uh, but then we saw not only we're to walk in love, uh, not in lust, the next truth we simply saw was simply this, we're to walk in the light. And that's the last time we were together. And the contrast there, we're to walk in light instead of darkness. And uh, we're certainly living in a dark 
world, aren't we? Dominated by sin on every corner as we look around. But he tells us, walk in verse 8 as children of the light. Because uh, we've been changed, you think about it. And, and who we were, we were sometimes in darkness, he said in verse 8. But now, thank God for that, we are light in the Lord, he says. And so we were characterized, and now that we've been changed, we were characterized then, and we looked at the three fundamental truths he gave us in goodness, in righteousness, and truth, and, and all of those come from, they're the outcome, the result of us walking in the Spirit, of God working in us and through us to produce those things in us. You know there's no goodness in us in us, right? Uh, the only goodness in us is Christ, and so he produces that through us, and then he produces his righteousness through us as, as we uh, then go about his truth. And, and we finally saw then that we're, you know, we're commanded to have no fellowship uh, and not to be a partaker of those, that, uh, uh, meaning, meaning we're not to do what the lost world does uh, with those that aren't walking in the light, with those that are in darkness, and they commissioned us to even sometimes do the hard thing. And that hard thing was simply this, we're not just supposed to, to live it ourselves, sometimes as a born-again believer, he commissions us to reprove others that we love and care about that are falling off into the darkness again. And if you don't do it and I don't do it, who's going to do it, right? And we got to do that with the right spirit. we got to do that with love. But listen, the worst thing you and I can ever do, see a loved one or, or a friend or a brother and sister in Christ, and we see them getting ready to walk over a cliff and not warn them, right? Because sometimes when you're in your own mess, can I get a witness? You don't really see the stuff, do you? You're blinded by your own darkness sometimes. And I'm even talking about other believers. And the only way we can help somebody is us who are walking in the light when our friends and family and, and brothers and sisters in Christ have, who are in the light have gotten over into the dark side a little bit again, walking in darkness again. We've got to reprove them. That's a tough one, I know. And the world's going to tell you, does not let you be judged. And don't listen to the world. The Bible said reprove them. Help them. Hey, encourage them and warn them is the idea. And uh, an illustration we simply use, if you saw, you saw some child walking, getting ready to walk out in the middle of the road, what would we do? Cars coming, I mean, we do everything in our power to stop them, right? And we'd yell at the top of our lungs, we don't care how embarrassed that would make us or anybody else, we'd do anything to say. And uh, why don't we apply that with brothers and sisters in Christ getting ready to walk off a cliff and walk into darkness? And so I encourage you, you got to do it with the right spirit, you got to do it with the, the spirit of restoration and, uh, and of love not with a judgmental attitude, that's the problem. Sometimes we, everybody thinks we're looking down our nose, and we're not looking down our nose. Hey, you be careful when I need to be careful because if it wasn't for the grace of God, whatever mess they're in, we could be in. Whatever mess I'm in, you could be in, by the way, and vice versa, and whatever mess you're in, I could be in. So we got to go with that right spirit. And so he ended up in verse 14, and we'll get started with today. Is with uh, I like the summary there. And so wherefore he said, and he ties it all back at wherefore ties there, all these truths he just said, together so he tells us here here's here's what i'm telling you christians awake thou that sleepest arise from the dead and christ shall give thee light so i just summarize it to wake up get up and get to shining amen let your light shine so today we're gonna look at the third truth we've looked at walking in love and walking in light today i uh, just ca called this section this walking and learning let's walk in learning and so let's pick up our reading in verse 15 and we'll probably only make two verses so that's three verses that's probably all i'll read so Read what it says here. It says, now in verse 15, See then, changing kind of gears, just a shade here. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. 
just a couple verses, but there's a lot packed in there. So let's, uh, let's ask the Lord to help us one more time. Father, for the next few moments, help us expand these truths and apply them to our lives so that we can be imitators of Christ. In Christ's name, amen. So we're going to walk in learning. That's what the idea of today is. And so to do that, uh, the first thing I wrote down with this, it takes a cautious walk. It's going to take a cautious walk. Look back at verse 15 again. Look at the text. It tells us this. See then you walk circumspectly. That's a big old word, isn't it? Circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. What does that circumspectly mean? Well, it comes from words. It literally means diligently, carefully. So if I'm going to walk circumspectly, I'm going to walk carefully. I'm going to walk diligently. Uh, I'm going I'm to be cautious, vigilant, and uh, I'm going to keep my eyes on the entire area. Uh, you, ever, you ever sometimes walking and you're just looking at that next step only and next thing you know there's something standing right here and you didn't even see it because your head was down and you weren't watching what you're going. You ever run into somebody? We're living in a generation. Well, we got these little phones, right? I'm telling you what, there's more people running into people because of phones than anything I've ever seen. In cars, in walking, everything. But they walk around the store like this, right? Oh, excuse me, sorry. You know what we're doing? We're not seeing the entire area. We're not walking circumspectly is the idea. Hey, we're, we're just focused on one thing. And he's saying here, you got to focus on the small things, absolutely. But, you know, there's a bigger picture is the idea. There's a, there's a, there's a, we got to be diligent, careful, looking all the way out. You ever watch somebody, uh, or ever uh, had, had somebody walk near the edge of a cliff? Maybe the, maybe by the lake or a creek. I was, uh, was watching yesterday and you know how mamas and it will protect somebody, a kid getting ready to fall in the water and watching them almost fall in the water and so forth and, and he said, be careful, you're too close to the edge. And that's the idea. And they're basically saying, you know, uh, be careful, you're going to fall in and so forth. When, and so when God says us to walk circumspectly, it's what he's telling us. We need to walk carefully and with balance. And we need to have our eyes on the entire picture. And so uh, sometimes we get so, so focused on whatever we're focused on, we don't see the dangers around us. Do we? And, uh, and so he's telling us, I'm telling you spiritually now, Let's get back to the spiritual here. There's dangers all around us. I'm telling you what, there's a devil who wants to devour you, your family, uh, your marriage, uh, in every area of our lives. There is a living, roaring, breathing devil. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil. Uh, that's who it is. It's not, just, it's not the person beside you. It is the devil. He says, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And we got to realize as we live our lives, we got to walk them circumspectly. Listen, with diligence, looking all around the big picture, there is a devil who wants to destroy your testimony, and he wants to do that a lot of times through our time. And we're going to see that as we get into the rest of the next idea here as he continues the teaching here. And So, listen, if he can't destroy you with sinful living, that's what Paul's been addressing up here in the verses before this, then he'll try to destroy you by eating up your time with activities that have no eternal value. And again, we'll spend some more time on time here in a moment. Either way, the result's the same, right? He gets you to waste your life. Hey, thank God he can't get your soul if you've been saved by the grace of God, amen? But I tell you what he can do, he can get you to waste that life that God did redeem for his glory. And, uh, and here's why we allow that to happen, because we don't walk cautiously, diligently, looking at the big picture and so forth. And so Paul's given us that admonition, hey, you, you need to walk circumspectly. Sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own personal selfish ambitions. All of us got them, right? That we miss the big picture. We miss the big picture. What life's all about. 
you know, Kevin graduated the other week. Uh, I'll tell you what, I was the best, by far the best graduation speech I've ever heard in my life that guy gave. Now, he went to Christian school, so he was a preacher. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm a little biased there, but he got up and he just he spent the entire time and said, why are you here? That was pretty good. Why are you here? Just a challenging, simple thought, right? Why are you here? So he's challenged a bunch of college graduates. Why are you here? And he challenged them to the big picture. Whatever area, whatever God's path God takes you down in life, whatever career choice, whatever, whatever. It really doesn't matter what it's going to be if you're in God's will. Here's the picture. There's a reason you're here, and it's not just to do that job. It's the reason you're here. It's a bigger picture. We've got to see the big picture. It's for God's glory and and your good and for proclamation of the of the gospel and the word of God. And so so listen, remember why you're here. And that's what kind of Paul's saying here. He's saying being walk circumspectly. Look at the big picture. Don't get so caught up in your own selfish desire that we don't accomplish his will and we don't accomplish his purpose in our lives. And so look back at our text with us again as he continues here. He says, see that you walk circumspectly. And he says this next, not as fools. That word fools means, guess what? Fools. <laughs> Unwise. I don't know how else to define it. <laughs> and one of the ways, listen, we walk as fools is simply this. We got to be real careful of this. Is when we take the world's wisdom, sometimes when we take our own feelings even, our own thoughts and our own opinions, we all got them, right? Sometimes even our own beliefs. Sometimes even our own experiences. Well, I experienced it must be true. I experienced a lot of stuff that wasn't true. I mean, and we take those, all those things, listen, all those in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad. But when we take any of those things and put it over the truth of God's word, we've come, we become a fool at that point. Listen, I mean, from Dr. Field to Oprah, and I mean, if somebody says it with a Ph.D., right? I'm not going to try to get too, too political here, but I'm telling you what, you get a talking head on TV and you see their doctor so-and-so, you think they know everything. You know, Ph.D. just means, might mean they have a post-hole digger, they're a post-hole digger, I mean, <laughs> Most of them probably never dug a post hole in their life. But, but, I mean, they say it and we take it as gospel. The Word of God says it and we discount it. Isn't that backwards? Shouldn't it be the other way? If it's God's Word, that's the truth. And if they say it and it contradicts God's Word, they're the liar, right? Let God be true and every man a what? A liar, the Word of God says. So, so listen, let, we do this in a lot of areas. Let somebody write a book. I'm telling you, experience they claim something and They've gone to heaven or they've gone to hell and, and back and becomes a bestseller. Everybody wants to read it and believe it. And I, you say, you, do you know, what, did that happen? I don't know. I can tell you this, they revealed truths that God hasn't revealed. It didn't happen. It, maybe, maybe it did if they didn't reveal anything new. I don't know. I can't answer that. But I can tell you this, why is that a bestseller when the book that tells us all about the truths of it, we don't even pick up and read? Uh, you see, we, get, we just get this backwards is what I'm saying. And so, so uh, listen, if you want to pick up that book, the one that God inspired, and you want to read about what some other person said uh, that they had a story, that, that, that's something backwards there. That's the idea of being foolish. And so, so the Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, Paul wrote, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. So he says, it tells us, walk circumspectly, hey, walk diligently, carefully, seeing the whole picture, not as fools, uh, listen, don't, get, don't get, get caught up in the world's wisdom. But then he says this, but as wise. That word wise there comes from a word that literally means a learned one. Someone who's skilled. As a learned one, someone who's skilled. Paul told us over in Colossians 4, 5, we're to walk in wisdom. 
So what is the source of wisdom then? If we're to walk in it, we've got to know where to get it, right? Well, I've just been telling you, it's the Word of God, amen? And it always is. And uh, the Bible tells us, Proverbs 21, verse 30, there is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. And so as learners of the Word, here's what we've got to do. We've got to be wise. It begins with a good, healthy, reverential fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Psalm 11, verse 10 says, and so it requires a cautious walk cautious walk and so uh, if we're going to walk in learning we're going to have a have to have a cautious walk but secondly I wrote this down we're going to have a calculated walk too. look at verse 16 the Bible says this it says redeeming the time because the days are evil redeeming the time because the days are evil you know one of the greatest and most valuable things that God's given us is time probably the most wasted thing we have too right if we get honest but it's the most valuable thing to give. Listen, we're given the same limited amount of time each and every day. And one of God's challenges for us is to be stewards of God, right? Stewards of the gifts he's given us. And we always think of stewardship always just as money, right? And that's part of it. But stewardship also of time, time that he gave us. And uh, we need to learn to steward that. And, and uh, we need to learn to understand. And I said we. <laughs> I'm still working on this. We need to learn to understand the importance of avoiding unimportant junk that occupies all of our time. And you said, you can't say junk. Yeah, I can. <laughs> uh, we got to learn to prioritize what's important, not just to us, though. Right? That's when we get kind of like the fools and make it all about us. But what's important ultimately to the Lord and how we spend our time. And understand, there's a danger, I'm telling you, in our lives when we fill it up with unimportant activities that have nothing to do, that won't matter for an eternity. And so we need to learn to establish priority. You've heard it said, I know you have, but uh, this illustration, I think every preacher that's ever preached has used it, but uh, it's the idea of taking a bank account. What if you were given a bank account, and in that bank account every single day, you, you began it with a $1,440 balance? How many of you like to make that a day? Amen. I could really prioritize my time then. Can I? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here's a question. What would you do with it if you had that? That balance, $1,440 every single day. You'd wake up the next day, and boy, there it was again. What would I do with that each and every day? Would you withdraw it and use it? But here's the thing. Every day, yesterday's gives away. You got $1,440 every single day to use, to spend however you want, do how, whatever you want with it. But anything not used is gone. Can't have an ounce more. That's all you get each day. What would you do with it each and every day? Well, every day we live, you know that you knew where we are going, right? <laughs> every day we live, how many minutes are there in a day? I did my math right, it's 1,440 minutes. Yet God gives us every single day. We have it at our disposal. Every one of those is a gift from God. How do you use it? Here's the challenge I think Paul's trying to tell us here. He's telling us, listen, we've got to learn to redeem that time. We've got to realize that, listen, he gives us that gift every single day. The stuff wasted, guess what? Can't get it back. That days are gone. Stuff not used is gone. And that's the thing about time. Once it goes, it's gone, isn't it? 
Time is God's great gift to us. We think about it. And uh, like every gift, though, the value of that gift is really only determined by what we do with it. Did you get that? The value of that gift is only determined by what we do with it. You ever heard, had anybody said, well, if I had more time, well, if I had as much time as so-and-so, then I'd get blah, blah, blah. I think we've all thought it. Maybe we've all even said it at some point. Truth is, that's a lie. You have the same amount of time every single day that I have. I have the same amount of time every day that you have, right? We all have 1,440 minutes every single day. So what do you do with it? What do I do with it? How do we spend it? We all have the same amount. The difference is, again, how we choose to spend that time. A survey I read found this. Listen to these stats. Uh, a typical person's, in a typical person's lifespan, I don't know how many years this was, but it said, here's how we'll spend our time, Americans, this was an American study, that we will sleep 23 years. If you add up all the time we spend sleeping, 23 years of our life will sleep away. We'll work about 16 full years. Uh, we'll watch TV eight full years. I bet that's climbing. This is an older survey because they don't have other screen time in it. But, uh, we'll eat for six years. Somebody say amen on that. Five of them got to be banana pudding. And then, uh, uh, we'll do housework for four. Uh, I'm making all those up right now. Uh, <laughs> travel for six years. We're literally waiting in line for something for five years of our life. Isn't there something? Uh, we'll, we'll leisure. Hey, we'll get to have some fun for four and a half years. Think about all those years. We're doing all that other stuff. We're going to have fun for four and a half. Uh, we'll be sick, most likely, for four years out of that, four complete years. We'll spend two years just getting dressed. Some of y'all did that this morning. Amen. I'm just kidding. We'll spend one year looking for misplaced items. Over a lifetime, think about how many times you look, where did I put my keys? Add all that up. Every time you've done that, they said it would be about a whole year that we spend just doing for that. And some of y'all are elbowing each other saying, uh, yeah, that's way too low for you. <laughs> uh, we'll open junk mail. It said for eight months of our life, we'll spend opening junk mail. You know, why do we do that, by the way? I'm sorry, I, don't, I better get back to the message. Why do we do that? We spend all this time opening junk. When we know it's junk, how many of you know it's junk mail before you open it? And we still open it. Why? Just rip that thing in half, throw it in the trash. We think, like, somebody's, there's really going to be a million-dollar check in there. That's what we're thinking, right? Oh, that somebody, somebody sent me. So I, I just need to make sure. Oh, okay, nah, it's junk mail. Uh, <laughs> and it said we would spend six months of our lives just sitting at stoplights. Uh crazy amount of time we spend doing things, right, if you think about it. I don't know how accurate that stuff is. I just read that on, on the internet.com. But here's what, it, here's what I think it does drive home, though, how important it is to use the time that we have and how vital it is to steward it wisely. Ben Franklin said this. He said this, does thou lovest life? And he said, then don't squander time, for it is the stuff that life is made of. And just like life itself, we have really three choices when it comes to how we spend our time. We can, either, we can either squander it, that means just simply waste it, right? We can spend it all up on things that really don't matter for an eternity, or we can invest it in things that do matter for an eternity, and that's what we're called to do. And so someone said this, more time is wasted not in hours but in minutes. They said a bucket with a small hole in the bottom gets just as empty as a bucket that's deliberately kicked over. 
pretty good thought, isn't it? And because Satan, listen, I'm serious, this is one of the areas he attacks, is actively working to devour our lives. And no, we can't get our soul. One of the things he can do is so occupy our time that we can't do anything for God's eternal glory. And so we've got to replan. We've got to plan then to redeem every moment of it. And that's what Paul's telling us here. Redeeming the time. What does redeem mean? It literally comes from a word that means to buy up, to, to rescue from loss. There's some time we've got to rescue from loss. Somebody, anybody else have this little problem? You got more busy, you say all the time I got there's more more to do in a day than I have time to do it. We all have that issue to some degree, right? And so, so here's the thing. How do, I, how do I get some of that back? Well, i got to prioritize. Uh, i got to prioritize what I'm going to do. And just like the bank illustration we talked about, uh, first of all, the ones we don't use is, is wasted and, or don't invest. It. It's all wasted. And so we got to use the day's deposit in some ways that, uh, listen, in ways that won't have irreplaceable loss. So, a wise steward of time learns to redeem the time and his moments uh, and, and for each day and, and put them back into the bank of eternity. And so anything else, listen, hits us down the wrong way. So, so we're going to redeem the time. We've got to buy it back. We've got we to use it circumspectly. We've got to listen, uh, uh, realize that it's limited. It's God's greatest gifts. Now, how are we going to use our time? Let's, and Paul's going to answer that. Look, look on as we read on to the next verse. He says this, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, verse 17. So here's a question. Time gives us the opportunity to achieve success in our life. But what is success? That's the question. What is success? Is success being uh, having a bank account with a bunch of zeros on it? That's what the world will teach, right? Is uh, I'll take that, but <laughs> that doesn't make you successful, right? Uh, listen, is the, the success in life climbing the corporate ladder? Is it uh, buying the next possession that you got to have? And listen, I'm not saying any of those things are necessarily wrong, but listen, biblically, that doesn't make you successful. None of them things are, uh, again, are wrong in them of themselves, but I'm telling you, biblically, success comes from verse 17. How am I going to know if I'm successful in life? It's here. And when I'm not unwise, but I understand what the will of the Lord is. Success, the biblical success, uh, definition of success, the way I wrote it there was success is knowing and doing the will of God. That's when you're successful. When you've got to know it, right? And then once you know it, you do it. Knowing and doing the will of God, that's the biblical definition of success. To do that, we've got to invest our time in things that will matter for an eternity. You know, as a pastor, I've, unfortunately, and I've got to see a lot of saints go home, amen? <laughs> That's not unfortunate, because they get to go home with glory, if you think about it that way. Precious in the sight of the, uh, the, sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. And, but I've been at the deathbed of many that have gone away. You know, I've never heard in all the deathbeds I've been beside Never heard anybody look up at me and say, Pastor, you know I wish I would have worked more overtime? Preach to myself a little bit here too, right? You know, Pastor, I wish, I wish I'd watched more TV. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd, uh, I wish I'd become CEO. I wish I'd, no, you know I've never heard anybody say anything like that. The way we model success in the world. 
Here's what I have heard many times. I wish I'd spent more time with my children. I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I wish I'd spent more time investing in the work of the Lord, doing the work of the Lord, serving my Lord. You know, it's very possible to spend your life to work hard, diligent towards all kinds of goals that we have, but if your goals don't line up with the Lord's goals, then you're not in the Lord's will at that moment, right? So one of the greatest things, biblical success, is we need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Understanding and doing the will of the Lord. Listen, when it comes in your life, all that's going to matter is the stuff you invested for eternity. I don't want to minimize our lives, but at the end of the day, guess what? We're going to be in the ground somewhere. Or in an urn or whatever way you're doing it, right? There might be a little sign that has something about you with your name on it on it, but you know what's going to be left behind, anything you're going to remember is what you've done. And, and really the only thing anybody's going to remember is what you've done for the Lord what you invested in your family that now continues on to live for the Lord, those type things. And, and so let's make sure we're investing, that we're redeeming the time and doing those things. And we're making sure we're, 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 we're doing it with biblical success by understanding what the will of the Lord is, by knowing and doing the will of the Lord. So how do we prioritize? That's the question, all right? Get to the how-to. You know, I'm going to try to give you a little bit of how-to. We'll run out of time here in a few minutes, but... Uh, Thankfully, God doesn't leave us on your own, on our own. How many of you are thankful for that? I certainly am. I, I'm thankful He's gave He's given us some resources, and you know, one of the great resources He's given us when it comes to wisdom is just ask. That's the word. Hey, hey the word prayer. If you think about it, just ask. Hey, Lord, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> Leave me. I need wisdom. I'm asking you for it. Pretty simple, isn't it? James one five still says, "Any of you lack." Like wisdom, lay mask of God that giveth to all men. He didn't just say he'd give it to the preachers. He just didn't say he'd give it to Brother Bond. He, listened, he said he'd give it to all men, right? Give it to all men, all of us, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. In other words, you need wisdom, ask him for it. Uh, that's what he said. Uh, listen, I believe in being organized. I live by lists. I got lists. Everyone lists. My lists have lists. Somebody say amen on that. <laughs> but yeah, let me tell you something I've learned and uh, most days I do pretty good with it because my, my lists are literally so long between home and work and church and just every little thing I'm trying to keep up with. and I, I, They're so long, I'm telling you what, it, it, I'll get a headache just looking at it every day. There's some things that are on my list that have been on my list for three or four years. And re- to be really honest with you, three or four years from now they'll probably still be on there. And that, you know what, I've finally learned, I'm learning this, I, I can't say I finally learned it. I am learning, and I have learned to a degree anyway, that that's okay. You want to know why? Because here's what I do, I can't, I can't focus on that whole, how many of you got lists of stuff you got planned today? Right? Can you get it all done today? What's it make you do? Stress, fret, right? Now, listen, I'm not minimizing anything on that list, but here's what I'm saying. Here's what I've learned to do. Lord, here's my list. Out of these, which ones do you want me to do today? And now I'll put it in priority. Put it in priority by what I believe he wants me to do. I ask him for wisdom, which ones to attack. Does that make sense? And, and I put those in priority. And you know what? A lot of people get ticked off when I don't get these others done that they thought was most important. But you know what? If I did the ones the Lord wanted me to do today, I'm a success. Because I'm living in the will of the Lord. Does that make sense? 
You'll never get the whole list done. Somebody will always be upset about something over here that didn't get done. It took me a long time to learn that. I used to try to get it all done every day, and I didn't. I went home feel like a failure. And now I said, you know what, Lord? We spent time on this this morning. I prayed, and I asked you, what do you want me to accomplish today? And it might have been one thing some days. How many of you just like to get one thing done today? How many of you go to bed sometimes like, what did I even get done today, right? <laughs> hey, just move it to one. Check that sucker off. I got one done. <laughs> Uh, no, sometimes it's not a big, big list, but you listen, when I pray and I, help, and I allow him to help prioritize, guess what I'm doing now? And now I'm getting right smack dab in his will for my life today. And I'm focused on the things he wants me to prioritize on. And the other things, guess what? They'll still be there tomorrow. And maybe when I pray tomorrow, one of them might become priority. Maybe not. Maybe I will never, ever get a toilet in my basement. Been there for a year now. I already got the plumbing in. <laughs> maybe I'll never will. But you know what? One of these days, maybe he'll say, today's the day. Go put that toilet in. Move this other stuff off to the side. Go get that. Now, selfishly, here's what we do normally. Here's what I want to get done. And the Lord's saying, I want you to get these done. And we prioritize ours. And then we wonder why everything's just a mess, right? How many times you lived that? How many times have I lived that? Hey, we all got the list. Longer than we can do. Prioritize it. But here's what it Ask the Lord for wisdom. Out of all this, Lord, what do you want me to accomplish? By the way, and then be ready. Let me give you something free here. Be ready for the Lord to just mess up your entire day. And give you something that wasn't even on the list in the first place. And if he doesn't, guess what? Scrap the list and go do what he told you to do. Amen. And it'll be the greatest day ever. I like those days. I don't at the moment. But when the day is over, I said, I didn't get anything done on this list. But boy, it was a good day. You want to know why? Because I did exactly what the Lord did. Hey, he, he works, he's got the right to cancel our list and to make a new one anytime he wants. Amen. And so think about that. And so, uh, so, so work on that. I'm, I'm a big list guy, and y'all know that. But, so how do I seek wisdom from the Lord? Seek it in his word. Proverbs 2. I'm going to run out of time. You can read these on your own. But uh, Proverbs 2, verses 2 through 6. See so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, imply thy heart unto understanding. And he tells us he'll give us wisdom in verse 6. And, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Ask for it. We looked at that just a moment. James 1, 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Giveth all men liberally. And then listen to good, wise, godly counsel. Amen. Uh, Proverbs 1, 5. A wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. So let me give you, I want to get here. Let me give you just a couple principles to take home with you. Uh, that I've learned that, that I think uh, maybe will help you in your life. Uh, the first one I wrote this was when it comes to redeeming the time, when it comes to understanding what the will of the Lord is and walking circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. Uh, here's some principles I've learned in life. What God has given me is sustainable. How many of you feel overwhelmed at times? We all feel that way, right? A God, I can't. Oh, yes, you can. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. God, listen, God doesn't give us more responsibilities than he gives us grace. Isn't that good to know? Sometimes we, remember, when we misprioritize responsibilities, that's where we get in trouble. When we make our list the priority, then we're overwhelmed. If you pray allow God to prioritize your day, guess what? It won't be everyone. He'll give you enough grace to handle the responsibilities he's given you each day. And so he doesn't give us more than we can get done in the time he provided. The gift is from him. That's the time, remember? Let me write this, this second one. 
this is a big one I learned in life. Uh, this, this took me until about three years ago to start to learn, even though I knew the principle before that. Opportunity does not equal obligation. I'm going to say that about six times because I don't think I can get enough amens on that. Opportunity does not equal obligation. Well, that's two. Opportunity does not equal obligation. That's three. You still haven't gotten it. I'm just, listen, just because it might be something great to do, it might be really good, it might be great. Listen, if it's not the Lord's will for you to do today or for you to do, period, then don't be doing it. But it's a great opportunity. Yes. Hey, but Lord, even if I go do this, it might even make a, a great difference for you. Yes. But it doesn't mean it's an ob obligation. Hey, when he puts it, that's different. I'm telling you what, there's a lot. Of, listen, that's where we can get off track. And, and if I can instill into Pastor Joe as he comes uh, a couple things, you know, that, that I've learned through the years. There is an opportunity. We could run 500 ministries here, and there's a need for every one of them. Opportunity, though, doesn't mean obligation. Why don't you pick a few? Guilty of not doing that, right? Pick a few. Let the Lord pray. Have the Lord lead you with wisdom. And do them, and do them well. Does that make sense? And don't overload everybody and overload every burden. Just because it's an opportunity doesn't mean you got to do it. Boy, it took me years to figure that out. And I'm just still, still trying to wrestle with it. More opportunities present themselves to us than we're ever physically able to accomplish. That's secular and spiritual both. And the only wisdom of God can help us separate the good from the better from what's the most important is the best. How many times have you heard me say that old saying? Listen, even good things can become bad things if they keep us from the best things. And it's always the truth. So if we fail to make that distinction, then we'll be overloaded, we'll be overburdened, and we'll be under-equipped. God always gives us what's sustainable. Uh, and so we make sure we focus. Uh, I must identify a third one. I must identify a focus on the most important thing. Just that important. Every opportunity looks important at the moment. Listen, every phone call that I seem to get in my life is the most important thing happening in this world right this moment. I said, wow, I just got one right before that. That was the most important thing. <laughs> How can that happen? You know, which one? You know, you got to prioritize. you got to ask the Lord. And so focus on the most important thing. One of the things I, someone wrote this and said, it's helpful to ask, out of everything on my list, what's going to matter before I stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Pretty good rule to go by, right? Which of these are going to matter? Uh, it's been said of great leaders that attribute their success Many times, not to the things they said yes to, but to the things they said no to. Uh, good rules of thumb. How about this? I'm still working on this one. Y'all help me with this one. But uh, I, know it's a, I know it's a truth. Tarrying times are not idle times. You say, what do you mean by that? Uh, how many of y'all like to wait? Anybody like to wait? <laughs> I certainly don't. I, well, listen, we're living in a world where everybody wants to see immediate results. and You know, there's seasons where all we can do is wait on the Lord. Uh, and I'm slowly learning, listen, sometimes some of the best times in life is when it just kind of, I don't know what tomorrow is. don't know what the next step is. But you know what? I know the one who does. And I'm just going to wait and trust 
those seasons allow us sometimes to recharge, to, to, to get repurposed in our lives. And Isaiah put it this way, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then here's the last principle. So listen, I will just, just, just apply this. I'm going to center my time on the main thing God has called me to do. You know, God hasn't called us all to do the exact same thing in every area of our life, right? There are some things in my life that only I can do, right? You say, what's that? Only I can be a father to my two boys, right? Only I can put food on the table and pay my bills. Now, I know we're living in a day-to-day where everybody relies on the government to do that. I believe we still do take care of our own self, right, when, uh, as long as we can. Uh, there's some things that only I can do, and, and uh, nobody else is going to do those things for me. And if I fail to do the things that only I can do, then, I, then listen, my family's going to suffer, others are going to suffer. That's true of our calling, too. Uh, God's called me to preach the Word of God. If I neglect my primary calling in my life, listen, I, 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 even though that I know there's many out there who feel maybe I'm disqualified now, I think I've missed my purpose for my life. So when God allows it, listen, I'm going to be right back doing what He's called me to do, and I believe that's going to come. So uh, God has a primary purpose for your life, too, though. Here's what it is. Figure out what it is. Figure out what the will of the Lord is for your life. And then do it. That's biblical success. Uh, time. Anything that's limited becomes more valuable, right? And time is limited. Think about all the limited editions. Does marketing like to put that on everything? Why do they do that? Because they can sell it for more money. Well, remember this. Time is a limited resource. So let's... Use it for God's glory. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Father, we thank you for our time together in the word of God this morning, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be Christians, Lord, that, that walk in learning, that realizes a bigger picture. Lord, don't get caught up in the day-to-day if there knows so so focused on the, the small little tasks that we, 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 we don't see the big picture. The big picture of why you have us here, why you give us and deposit it into our account each and every day, 1,440 minutes of time to use for your glory. And Lord, so help us prioritize in all that we have to do in life. Lord, prioritize and make your priorities our priorities. To understand and know what the will of the Lord is and to do it in our lives to be biblically successful. That is the process of redeeming the time. Lord, help us to do it because the days we're living in are certainly evil. We'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it. Help us to imitate. Help us to mimic Christ with our time and our walk. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.